Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, guess what? You have found your way back to, or or maybe this is your first time, maybe you have just found your way to making waves at sea level. So this is the podcast that I started six and a half years ago. It was originally called Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, but uh, we talk to people now from the entrepreneurial level all the way up to the Fortune 100, and we talk about things that are important in your company. And today is going to be one of those shows. Today, I am so excited because we have Ray Abram, and Ray is a networking coach and he helps business professionals to connect better. He helps them grow their careers and he does this by helping people inside your company realize that know, like, and trust is the way to more success. Hey, Ray, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you, Tom. I'm so glad to be here. This is exciting. I'm glad to have you here, too. I mean, I have been teaching this stuff for 15 years. I recently ran across you and I said, now there is my brother from a different mother because you're you're teaching people the exact same thing that I have been talking about for years. And I don't want to just sit here on my podcast and talk about the power of human connection. I don't want to talk about that alone. I want to talk about it with somebody who I'm in total simbatico with. So Give me a little bit of your background. When did you discover that no like and trust was a way to more success? Yeah, I tell you, it's been uh, about five years. Uh, I, I was uh, I come from IT background and I was uh, contracting and I would be uh, doing project management in various companies. But every time, uh, you know, the end of the year came around, I, I was always getting laid off. I think uh, I went four Christmases in a row uh, being out being out of work. And, you know, I have three kids and every year I had to tell them, sorry, dad's out of work. And then it really became and I think the, the last time it happened again, about about five years ago, I said, you know, something's got to change. There's got to be a reason why this keeps happening to me. And I keep blaming the company and the economy and blaming everybody else. But I took ownership of it and I decided I had to figure out what the problem was. And what I realized was that I just had trouble connecting with people. You know, and I always assumed that there were some people who were just good at it and some people who weren't. You know, I kind of ate lunch by myself and I'm just a a bit of a loner. But when I when I realized what I was doing wrong and learned how to do it right um, within a short period of time, everything started to turn around. And now, you know, I have a successful career, a, a great coaching practice. And uh, and really, my life has done a 180 degree turn since uh, since I decided to do this. So, so many people have the misconception that if I just do good work, my career will soar to the highest rates. And like you said, they they don't go to that happy hour or lunch with their coworkers. People are like, hey, you know, we're going to go down the street and grab pizza. And they're like, uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't want to socialize with the people at work. I, yes. I have my own friends at home and they eat at their desk and then they get passed over for a promotion. Or when the layoffs come, they're on the top of that list. And they're like, well, that's not fair. The people who go out to the happy hours, the boss knows them. Or, yeah. or uh, you know, not so much nowadays, but like in, in the higher level in the C-suite, golf used to be such an important thing. And it wasn't that golf mattered. It was you got to spend four hours with your boss. And if you got to spend four hours with your boss and he got to know you, like you, and trust you, that's where the magic happens, right? 
that's exactly where the magic happens. And I, I didn't understand that. And I thought, to your point, I did a good job. I came to work every day. I showed up. I did what I was expected to do. Um, and so I, I should be OK. But I was missing that component that, you know, off off grounds, you know, relationship, you know, hanging out at the bar, being Facebook friends, you know, with my colleagues and my, my managers. And so now that I've changed that, um, every, everything is working out so much better for me. So you and I both use it. You use it a little more upfront, but we both use the expression that people do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. Now, every now and then somebody says, yeah, but Tom, that's a little bit of a cliche. However, we got to remember that all cliches are based in truth. So there is absolute truth to that fact that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. But my take on this is the definition of the word no, K-N-O-W, has drastically changed in the last 10 years because social media. We now think we know everybody. People listen to my podcast. They say, oh, I know Tom. Well, no, they know that the voice that Tom is putting out while I'm sitting in the corner interviewing somebody really cool like Ray. But you don't know that that's all of who I am. It can't be all of who I am. You get a half hour of me twice a week. That's not everything. That's not me as a father, although I talk about my kids a lot on this show. Uh, you know, it's not me as a husband, although I, I mention my wife once in a while. It's not me as a friend, although I love to tell stories about my friends. It's not me as a professional speaker, although I like to let people know that I do make my living speaking to companies. But I believe, and I think you're going to agree, that nowadays, when you get to know people and really know them, not just likes, links, shares and follows, but when you get to know them and when like and trust is built, that becomes really powerful. Would, would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think the saddest thing and the reason why and we talked about this before, the reason why people hate networking is because they stop at that first word. Right. Once they know somebody, which they consider having shook hands, you know, I shook hands with them. I traded business cards, maybe even had coffee. Right. And then now I know them. And so when I call them to, to buy something from me or call them for a job, they know me. And so it should work out for me. But no, it's that like and trust where the power is. So I agree. I always think that, you know, meeting someone once does not make them part of your network. Meeting someone once makes them someone you have met once. And there's a huge difference between someone you've met once and somebody who you've developed that long-term and mutually beneficial relationship with. Now, a lot of people who reach the C-suite in a big company, be it like a Coca-Cola or a Nike, they're pretty aware. There's exceptions, but most of them who reach the highest levels of business, they realize they didn't get there alone. They had mentors, they had peers, they had other people who got there. But sometimes people who are who are farther down the ladder, they, they haven't realized that. And I think that the C-suite doesn't do a good job of of teaching the idea of human connection to the people all the way down that that corporate ladder. So what do you think companies could do better besides hire Ray or hire Tom to come and speak? What do you think companies should be doing to get people to pay attention to this this no like and trust factor? You're absolutely right. Is encourage um, off, uh, what's the word, uh, after hours activity. It, you know, this is the thing. A lot of companies have activities, right? They have groups, they have business resource groups, they have various associations, they have events after work. But I think what happens is there's no incentive to go. 
you know, people, if you believe yourself to be an introvert, which half of people do, you believe that I just don't want to participate. You know, I'm just going to stay in my silo, but you just don't get the results. So the world is skewed toward extroverted behavior. If you're an extrovert, you're connected and then you can move up. And so what we have to do as companies is understand that the introverts uh, are, you know, add diversity. They add a lot to the to the table. And so you're not so extrovert heavy at the top. So companies have to uh, reach out to these folks and incentivize connection. So, as you know, the thing with companies, they offer these opportunities to connect but there's no incentive to go, no, no overt incentive to go. And so people miss out and they don't understand. And that's what happened to me. I didn't understand why I was missing out on uh, longevity of my uh, employment or ever moving up in, in you know, in, in jobs because there was no incentive for me to connect. So you bring up an interesting thing I'd never necessarily thought about before, and that is the introverts do bring a little bit of, of diversity to the conversation because here's the thing. It's not better or worse to be an extrovert or an introvert. We have championed, as you said, we've championed the extroverts, but, you know, it's not better or worse. It's half the population. It's it's where you get your energy. We're just wired differently. I, I want to be in a big crowd. You put me around 200 people. I'm going to walk out going, wow, I'm so excited. That was so great. My wife is much more of an introvert. You put her in a crowd of 200 people and she's going to say, send me to the spa. You know, give me a book. Don't talk to me for the next six hours while I recharge my batteries. So that's actually an interesting thing is that you're you're bringing a diversity of thought and experience when you are including the extroverts and giving them a seat at the table. But in order to do that, I think companies have to to plan their social events differently. Right. To make them appealing. Yes, they have to make it appealing and and provide coaching. You know, I think that that, you know, provide mentoring coaching um, so that introverts can find sponsors, because that's really the challenge. That's really how the people move up to the C-suite is someone has to sponsor you. Someone has to open that door and say, I trust Ray. I trust Rob. I trust Tom to sit at this table. I'm I'm sure we trust we trust Rob too, whoever he is. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where Rob came from, Tom, to to this to the table, and 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 I trust that that this person is is got some uh, good advice or good counsel. But if you don't have a sponsor, you never get invited into that room, and so sponsors have to find you, which means that you have to show up, you have to be available, you have to be seen, and without proper mentorship, uh, you you never get seen, and you just fall by the wayside. So mentorship is a whole you're bringing up all these like nuggets of gold. Uh, mentorship's another thing that's super important. And a lot of companies have like internal mentoring programs. You can have a company buddy. But the problem is most of these programs suck. I mean, they don't people don't get that much out of it. The mentor and the mentee aren't taught how to do it. The matching process is often done poorly. So how can companies encourage mentorship and sponsorship in different ways? Yeah. And again, it's incentivized. You know, what gets incentivized gets done. You know, that's just really what gets measured uh, gets done. There's no measurement to it. There's no and it can be measured. It's not seen as something uh, important as an important business function. But but it but it really is because you're you're missing out on developing uh, good people. And, and, the, and the management training is not the same as 
development, right? So somebody gets into management training and is great. They're learning business processes. They're learning human resources, but that personal development that comes from mentoring, uh, uh, you know, and, and it comes down to quite often, you know, creating a test. You know, these companies have money. There, there are psychological profiles. There are ways to see what type of uh, person, you know, you are. Are you a, are you an introvert? Are you a D and I or S? So, you know, you find out what type of person this employee is and then match them up with someone who would uh, would be a good uh, good pair for them, a good mentor for them. So one young man I know who works for a company, and I think they have about 50 employees, uh, he's entry level. But one thing they've done in the pandemic, because they're not all going to the office, they used to, as they grew, they started when he got there, he was like employee 14 and they got to like 30, 35 people. They've added another 20 since the pandemic, but but they're all over the place now and they're not all going to the office. One of the thing they did that I thought was really cool is every week they have a computer algorithm that matches you up with another employee. And it doesn't matter. Totally different departments could be the CEO and the receptionist, but you get matched up with somebody different inside the company and the uh, then you have to schedule like a 15 minute coffee chat by Zoom and they, they give you an out. You don't have to do it if you're super busy and you have a deadline. You cannot do it. But if you do it, you check the box. And the idea is, is that you don't have too many empty boxes. You want you don't want to be the person when they look back, didn't have any meetings. But it's a great chance to sit down and talk to somebody you may have never met. Uh, And so they encourage it that way to try and keep some culture going, cross pollinate where people can find relationships inside the company, because at least, you know, if we're a year at home, at least over the course of that year, you're going to talk to all the other 50 people. That's Awesome. And that company is doing it right. And that if that model could be replicated around the country, around the world, I think uh, so many people, because you're right, it's, it's about personal relationships and, and, and what you just mentioned, how they incentivize it, how there's a checkbox that I talk to somebody and you meet people around because things get done. Everything gets done through people. At a company, it's really a company is simply a shell where people go and interact. And so by by increasing these bonds and this trust, because even corporate is still no like and trust. I trust that you're going to do this job for me. And also, I trust that you're going to reciprocate the favor because you think about it. If you've been in corporate, you know, it's all about favors. Right. Look, can you push this through a little fast for me. I've got a deadline. Can you can you ease it? Can you get me on his calendar? Can you know? And so I'll do this favor for you. You know, without expectation that tomorrow you're going to do a favor for me, but at some point I'm going to come to you with a favor, and 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 so I trust that you're going to take care of me when I need something. How much of this in a company has to come from the top down? How much does the C-suite have to be like we are fully behind this human connection agenda? Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that's a good question. I, I think it's part of the culture and the culture comes from the C-suite. Right? I mean, that's really what that's really what the CEO is there for. Right. Is to create culture is to is to, you know, the C-suite is it's all about culture. Every, the, the, the workers do all the work. Right. The, the people in the C-suite are there to uh, to uh, create and enforce. This is our culture. This is our mission. This is our belief system. And so, uh, th- so it's a lead by example, but also to incentivize good behavior. So, Ray, I could talk to you all day and I've got a bunch more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. 
So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Ray Abram. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know, I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this podcast. So, Ray, we didn't talk about this when we prepped for the call, but I, I, you know, you said something when we were talking about introverts and extroverts and diversity. Let's touch on diversity a little bit, because this is an issue in networking that comes up a lot. I have a lot of people tell me that they have a hard time building their network, their connections across different ages, uh, different genders and different races. So why is it so hard for people to make friends with people who are different than them, even if they work inside the same company or the same industry or in a community? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, Tom. Wow, you know why is it different? Is society tells us that it should be hard that there's something wrong? Uh, society uh, splits us up, you know, with our demographics, our music that we listen to. You know, have you ever wondered why uh, there's black radio and and white radio? I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Why you know why it should just people it should just be radio. It should just be radio. Why right? Why you know, as I'm growing up, if I listen to a certain radio station, I'd be laughed at and, and, and vice, you, you know, people look at you strange if you like a certain kind of music. And so, you know, it starts early, you know, just kind of kind of the separation that our society encourages. And so, you know, we have to, uh, you know, kind of overcome that. And, and just understand that we real every, everybody loves their children. You know, we, we, we all really want the same things out of life, you know, and and there's so much to be gained out of that diversity and learning new things and, and, and doing new things. So, well, and all the studies show that diversity makes companies more successful. When you look at boards of directors, uh, boards that have women and people of color on them, the companies are typically more successful. Companies that have diversity within teams, and this isn't just color, this is also age and uh, you know country of origin and, and different things. But when you have this diversity across the lines, people, the teams tend to do better. And individually, when we have friends who are different than us, you know, we tend to be a little bit more thoughtful. I always tell people in my speeches that, you know, we're pretty divided politically right down the middle in the United States, at least right now. And yeah. in some cases, it's growing violent and it's, it's not necessarily good. And yet I always tell people, if you go to a dinner party and everybody votes for the same person, you need some new friends, because if you don't have friends with a little bit of a different view, I, I don't think you can grow. You can grow and change. So one of the things I because, you know, we're all guilty of it. I think that humans are drawn to people who are like them. And again, I'm not just talking about race, but we're comfortable around people. So you'll notice it at networking events, the millennials will all start hanging out together after like the, the, the networking begins, the 20 somethings all find each other. Uh, the 45 or 50 year olds all find each other. And then the, the more silver grade people are all in their little conversation clusters. We're just drawn to people who have similar backgrounds or whatever. So something I started doing last year, well, two years ago now, but pre pandemic when we could go to live, human events I would travel about 100 nights a year going to conferences and if I had already spoken 
everybody at the cocktail party knows me because I was the speaker. But usually the night before, they don't know who I am. So I would walk into the room and I would survey the room and I would look for the person who was most different from me. And that was a broad swath. And I would walk up and talk to them. And sometimes there was no connection. Sometimes it was like some of the greatest conversations possible. You know, but I wish some of those people had become like my bestie best friends. But even so, just starting conversations with people who are different than you opens you up to accepting that there's a lot of people who are different than you. Do, do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's the thing. I mean, it's yeah. To your point, it is human nature, right, to to want to be like people or be around people who are like you. We like people who are like us. However, it limits us. So you have to be proactive. And I think what you just said, you described is is awesome, you know, is is being proactive and meeting people and adding people because that diversity is going to enrich your life in so many different ways, you know, with opportunities, because you never know where that opportunity is going to come from. Sometimes it's the people you would least suspect would be that best client end up being that best client or knowing or can refer the best client for you. So by staying in your own circle, and, and I'm, I'm, I imagine you've heard of uh, Mark Granovetter, the, uh, uh, yeah, he wrote a book called Getting a Job. It's, it's kind of a seminal work. It's great work where, you know, he kind of did the science of, around the, the people who, who uh, had, had friends that were very limited and all were like them actually suffered from that. And people who had wider networks of loose friends and he called them loose associations uh, ended up being uh, much, make more money, having more success, more happiness and everything. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously a topic that is, is bigger than, than my pay grade, but I think it's a topic that's important for all of us is to make sure that diversity is part of our networks. It, it is important. And we have to we have to all be. Uh, yeah, it, we have to be very, very diligent is the word I was looking for is diligent to make sure because it, it's not easy, but but it's 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 is good is better. And it's, and it's not good for just humanitarian reasons It's good for your company. Right. It's good for your your bottom line to be diverse. Yep, absolutely. Well, you said five years ago is when you sort of made this switch and started paying attention to the human connection side of business. So yes. fast forward five years to now. What's yeah. what's the best thing you learned that you wish every company knew? Ooh, that I that I wish every company knew that it's all about it's all about your people. You know, it's all about your people because companies can have a soul too. You know, and understanding that you know companies can be known, liked, and trusted. And you know, a lot of the things that we uh, imbue uh, humans with, companies, corporations don't have to be soulless. Companies can have a soul and can connect with people. And I think that's what we're missing in today's society and today's uh, economic landscape. You know, I remember a time when a company would lay off a thousand people. That would be headline news. Walter Cronkite would stop, stop. What? 
Company X laid off a thousand people. You just told the whole world how old you and I are because you just said Walter Cronkite. Walter and Cron- I'm hey, guessing half of my listeners are like, what is a Walter Cronkite? Walter Cronkite. Well, well I will. I will. Tom Brokaw. I, probably just as bad. <laughs> That's but you al- know I mean. almost just as bad. Next almost generation. Just as bad. We'll go, still we'll retired. Go, we'll go with, but, right. but, I, but I was trying to, to, to say H- that. Hoda and, Kathy, Hoda and Kathy Lee would stop what they Hoda, were doing. Hoda and Kathy. We'll go with Hoda and Kathy Lee. We'll go with Robin Ross. Roberts and Michael Strahan. That, that's right. That's right. Or, or President Bush's daughter Jenna is now the, Jenna, one of the right, Today, Today Show right. hosts. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, but, but, of course. But, but, I remember. I remember when the newspaper called her Jenna and Tonic when she was a college student, and she got busted for drinking I in Austin, Texas. I did. No, I, I actually remember that. But but you know it was a time, and I was trying to go back to a time in the, in, in the seventies when companies. Care when you stayed with a company, you had a connection. It was part of your personality. It was part of your persona. And now companies don't care. People don't care. My, my father that, spent his entire career from the end of World War II until he retired at 65 years old with a gold watch uh, yeah. with Transamerica Life Insurance. And that was part of the identity of the family is my dad worked for Occidental Life Insurance, which was a division of Transamerica. That was a big deal. You, you spent your life with a company. That's exactly right. And so that connection, right, that 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 friendship, that feeling that that you care, because that's really what relationships are all about. I care about you. I care what happens to you and you care what happens to me. That's all. That's what humans at the base level. That's all we all want. We want someone in our life who cares about us and who knows that we care about them. And so your place of employment should give you that same feeling. If I know this company cares more about me than just what I can do. If I was to drop dead on the floor tomorrow, it would be more than them just passing around a card and hiring somebody else next week. <laughs> I want to believe that. Right. And and we don't have that anymore. And maybe maybe, you know, um, I, I got on rose colored glasses. But I, I think if companies and you, to your question, what do companies need to know? That's what people want. That's going to get you your loyalty. That's going to 10x your revenue and your productivity if people feel that you give a damn. And hmm. so um, that's what I want companies to know. Ah, that, that, that's awesome. So I used to call this show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing you're doing right now as a coach and a speaker and an author? Wow. The coolest thing is, is helping people, is really showing people how to connect. And, and, and it's interesting. What I love about it is, is that everybody's doing it wrong, right? <laughs> you know, you're never taught. And so you're going through life wondering, why isn't this thing working for me? You know, I'm good at what I do. I'm smart. I got my licenses. I got my trainings. I'm, I, but, but I'm not being successful. It appears as if other people have privileges, right? They're, they're just privileged. And, and part of one of my courses is hacking privilege, right? It, it's showing how, you know, uh, you can act as if you're privileged. I mean, how, why, why do the C-suite people get to the C-suite and you don't, right? Are they privileged in some way? Do they know something you don't know? And, and quite often they're not privileged, but they do know something you don't know. They know how to connect. And that is okay. It's okay to get a job or get a promotion because your friend 
is in charge of handing out jobs and promotions. And it happens all the time. So often somebody gets, they move to another company and they bring their favorite people with them or they get promoted to that C-level job and they fill their direct reports with all people who they, they've trusted and seen throughout the, the, their life. So it happens all the time and it's just the way it is. Yes, and but people feel that there's something wrong with that. They say, you know, I, I feel manipulative. And I'm like, no, what if, it was just the other way around. Instead of you saying, I'm making a friend with somebody who can do something for me. What if your friend from third grade just happened to be that person who could do something for you? Would that be manipulative? No. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I get a lot of my speaking opportunities through people who know me, either through they've seen me speak, they're a social friend, they listen to this podcast. I get hired for a lot of what I do from people who know me from something else. And they're like, oh, our company's having a meeting. Tom would be good. And you know, thank God for that, or I wouldn't be speaking as much as I do. So, yes. Hey, this was fantastic. If somebody's listening and they're like, I must know more about Ray, how do they find you? Yeah, this my website is the best way. Ray Abram, this A B R A M, no S. <laughs> RayAbram.com um, is, is really the best way to get me. Uh, internet, I'm, I'm Ray underscore Abram on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I think this is a message that every company, whether they know it or not, needs to pay more attention to. It's that that human connection that really, really matters. And we all thrive more when we have human connection than when we're alone. So thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single podcast episode. And that is. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I even do this show? We are like over 625 episodes into this particular uh, series of shows under both names that it has had, and we're not stopping anytime soon. So if you like the show, do me a favor, go and check out uh, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast love. And if I can do a real quick commercial, if you know somebody who makes money in the professional speaking world or would like to make part of their income as a speaker, check out the brand new podcast hosted by or operated by, sponsored by the National Speakers Association. The podcast is called Speakernomics and the host is me. You would get two, two, one extra podcast a week from me if you subscribed right now to Speakernomics. Um, it's not yet on Apple Podcasts, but it will be any day. But if you go to Spotify or Stitcher, it's there. Just search Speakernomics and uh, check out that show and review that show for me as well. I would greatly appreciate that. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody who's making waves in the world of business, just like Ray Abram is. And in the meantime, but in between now and then, I want you to go out there, flex your own business muscles. Make sure your career ladder is against the right wall. Don't climb your career ladder to get to the top and find out it was in the wrong place like I did for so long. And then finally, go out there and have some fun. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.